This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We have been talking about covenant theology because the upcoming conference, September 22nd and 23rd, is on covenant theology. And I have to admit, and I think that at least two of the guys in the room can echo this sentiment that there are several of us that grew up not understanding and not being exposed to covenant theology that we grew up in and for me it was in dispensational circles i didn't know that it had a label i just know now what the label is um <laughs> from what I, my growing up years and then i i i came upon reformed theology covenant theology and i was absolutely overawed by the richness that it had, and and I realized that my Bible was just one story and mm-hmm. all connected, and I began to see some of just the depths of the grace of God that I was overlooking in the past because I didn't understand that this was a storyline of God saving a people that he had chosen before the foundation of the world, and that it really was a storyline of a, of a promise-making, promise-keeping God that was willing to keep those promises at the very expense of his own son. Mm-hmm. And I I have to say that the scriptures didn't change, but the scriptures did change for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw more depth, more of just God's goodness coming out in the scriptures that I, I had missed. I, I'm, I can't believe I missed this whole refrain of, God's steadfast love and faithfulness mm. that just absolutely litters the pages of the Old Testament. And I, I'd never seen it as a kid. Never mm. never saw that in the Old Testament. I, I wasn't, I was kind of conditioned to read it differently. And then all of a sudden when I lost that view, I re- saw the God of covenant come out and I, I was so excited. So hopefully I'm not putting words in Vinny or Jonathan's mouth on that. But. Nope, I would echo, yeah, very similar yeah, pattern. I mean, reading it, uh, reading the scriptures through the the understanding of the covenants radically changed my whole faith walk with Christ. And God, my God got bigger. Again, he didn't change. It was my understanding and view and perspective of him changed. I kind of grew up in uh, <clears throat> with my feet in uh, both camps. I, had a, I grew up in a very sound covenantal church, but I also grew up going to a dispensational uh, Christian school. And so just kind of grew up with both mm. and I was always confused by the one and the other one made sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I guess our hope is that as we have a conference on this, as we get materials into yeah. your hand is that you'll kind of see some of the same beauty. One of the, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons why we all grew up in one sense that way. I mean, you look back when, you know, our parents' Bibles were the Schofield Reference Bible, and many people read those notes back into their understanding of Scripture. And so they 
So that was the uh, reference Bible, the commentary on the Bible that most people were carrying around. It was dispensational, highly dispensational. I ended up going to a, a seminary that was known for being a dispensational seminary. Um, but it was there when you know you're reading through God's Word and you're studying. Um, you're studying. I began to, you know, question some of that stuff. I've challenged, like I said a few episodes ago, I was challenged to see in the Old Testament something more than just uh, the attributes of God. Mm. And I was challenged to, you know, consider the promise that was given in Genesis 3.15 and the unfolding of that promise. And when I began to see that, and also making sense of my own history, you know, I'm I'm a second generation believer. You know, what does that mean? Well, you know, covenantally, God works covenantally. He works not just covenantally individually, but kind of covenantally with families. And reading Deuteronomy, you know, because I love the fathers, I chose the children after them. All of a sudden, boom, there was a light bulb moment for me to see how God had been covenantally gracious in his dealings. And just all through it, I began to just see this thread of redemption uh, going all the way through. Yesterday, we began talking about the three different covenants, covenant of redemption, works, and grace. And the covenant of grace then is revealed in five other covenants that are kind of subsets of the covenant of grace, if you will, different administrations of that covenant. And so we just want to briefly talk about those five today. The first is the Noahic covenant. So what can you say about the Noahic covenant, and how does Christ fulfill the Noahic covenant? Well, we have to we have to see that uh, the whole covenant of grace is a response to the violation of the covenant of works, the fall into mm-hmm. sin. And so, in the in the covenant made with Noah, we see the severity of God's justice, we see the sweetness of God's grace, and the promise of preservation. And this is done. You know, we see sin as an offense to God. God's going to show His grace to His people. The grace is going to come through the one who is righteous, as a you know Noah pointing forward to Christ, and He's going to save His people from the wrath to come. And and so in that Noahic covenant, the work of Jesus removing the curse of sin and leading us to a renewed creation is being shown in the the Noahic covenant. I think just a helpful thing to keep in mind is that the New Testament helps us understand how to read the Old Testament and the fact that we're supposed to read it saying, what do we learn about the person and work of Christ? What is this picturing? And so Jesus tells us that Noah and the ark pictures, you know, salvation. Peter talks about that those on the ark represent this whole idea of salvation in Christ. Um, and so we're supposed to see that, that those that, that wrath is poured out and those that are in Christ in the ark are safe. And what does that result in? A new creation, a renewal of of what we wait for, new heavens and a new earth. How about the Abrahamic co- covenant? It's where you know we follow the line after Noah uh, through Shem, and we come to Abraham, and God calls him to go and and uh, not, I mean, not for anything that uh, possessed an Abram in and of himself, but God chooses him and brings him to the uh, promised land. But in that, He promises him a seed, an offspring through whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed. 
And uh, so we come to the Gospel of Matthew and the genealogy of, of Christ, who is the son of David and the son of Abraham, and uh, that promised seed through whom all the earth is blessed. In the Abrahamic covenant, you, for those that like alliterations, you have the three, are the four Ps, right? So you've got the promise of God's presence, you've got the, the promise of God um, having a people, you've got the, the promise of God's possession, that he would give Abraham a land, and that you have the, the promise of a purpose, that all the nations will be blessed through him. And sometimes, and this is where I would disagree with my dispensationalist brothers, that they read that in an earthly way. And there is an earthly element to it at times in the Old Testament, but all of that is pointing to a deeper spiritual reality. It wasn't about the land of Canaan and, and, the, and, and all of those earthly promises. That's not the point. The point was the, the bigger spiritual picture that they were all pointing to. All of these are images, are, are, are signs of something deeper and richer. And so what happens is people tend to read the Abrahamic promises um, in a narrow way and saying, well, it was about the people of Israel getting the land. Yes, but no. It's really about the deeper realities of, of what we have because we're those that, because we have faith in Christ, we have the spiritual riches that are ours um, that Paul talks about in Ephesians 1, that we have all spiritual blessings because we're in him. And even the author of the Hebrews points yep. out the fact that Abraham did not receive the promise yes, as, in, in a real physical sense, but he looked towards that city that was built by God himself. Whose maker and builder was God. Yeah. Yep. Mosaic Covenant, a lot of confusion sometimes surrounds this one. Yeah, there's um, elements of it that people see like, oh, this sounds like just kind of the covenant works again. But we need to remember where it's given and its place of redemption. It's it's purposely given, I believe, after the Exodus. I mean, God goes in and he removes his people from slavery and then he brings them into a relationship with himself and he says, this is how you live in this relationship that I have established. And also people see here kind of, uh, Vinny, you mentioned the, the, the dichotomy between angry God of the Old Testament and God of love in the New Testament. And we need to remember that it was the angel of the Lord who descended on Mount Sinai in, in the fire and in the smoke and that terrified people. And the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And this is Jesus giving us this law. It is grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the idea of the Ten Commandments begins rehearsing that grace by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. That's grace. You know, all the way through that. So, and then there's the gracious expectation of a Messiah that's going to come. You know, in the unfolding of that of of this Mosaic covenant, we're told in Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen, I will raise up for them a prophet like you among you, their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. He's pointing us forward to Jesus Christ, and Jesus. Jesus is the final, ex, our final exodus from sin, the final deliverance from sin that's foreshadowed in the people in bondage in Egypt. How about the Davidic covenant? 
the Davidic covenant, uh, you know, if we point forward to Jesus, Jesus is the son of David, the greater son of David, who builds the temple of God by uniting us to one another as a spiritual house. He's the promised king who governs us righteously forever, mediating between us and the Father. So if you, you get all these pictures in the Old Testament, and, and we specifically talk about Christ as the anointed, anointed as the, the true mm-hmm. prophet, priest, and king, and the and Davidic covenant really hones in on this idea that God had made a promise to David that his offspring would forever sit, sit on, on the, the throne. throne. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really talking about what Jonathan said, the greater son of <clears throat> David, um, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And Psalm 2 is that... Capturing Psalm 110 is the capturing mm-hmm. of the the great king, the mm-hmm. uh, the great King David, really, mm-hmm. um, who sits enthroned forever, and it, that was a promise God had made. And Psalm 89 is just a beautiful depiction of it's a whole chapter, a whole psalm talking about how <laughs> they were forever covenant breakers, mm-hmm. but God was faithful to His covenant that He made to His His is to David. Yeah, we've been looking at, at uh, summer psalms in uh, preaching ministry, but uh, Dave, the psalms of David particularly, uh, he's bringing this out, Psalm 22. You can't read Psalm 22 and say this is about David. It's um, what Jesus applies to himself, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's, he's going to be the, the Savior for us. Um, he's going to be, Psalm 23, he's going to be the shepherd that's going to, you know, follow us with um, mercy all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is the ascended Lord in, in Psalm 24 uh, that has gone to prepare a place for us. So we can't read those Psalms just, uh, you know, simply about David, They're pointing to David's greater son. Mm-hmm. And the New Covenant, you will need to come to the conference and find out more about. We'll see you next time.